On this episode, I'm going to be talking with Greg Mercer, the founder of Jungle Scouts, which is a data analytics tool used to reverse engineer Amazon businesses. It's a super interesting interview because you can now use the tool Jungle Scouts to reverse engineer supply chains. You don't want to miss this one. Do stay tuned. Welcome to 2X E-Commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Kenei, answers them. Also hear from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me, and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. So on the inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine deposition is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kune Campbell. Let's get rolling. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they can do this, but will never deliver on their promises. You need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Clavio comes in. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. That is why 10,000 innovative brands have switched to Clavio. What's the secret to building customer relationships? Tune in to Clavio's Beyond Black Friday docuseries to find out and unlock marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going year round. Just head over to clavio.com forward slash beyond BF for more. That's clavio.com forward slash beyond BF.com. Hi guys, before you listen to this episode, I wanted to remind you again about the mastermind, the Facebook mastermind. It is called the e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. It's on Facebook. It's a great community for founders and experts passionately involved in e-commerce and, you know, um, people who truly want to make an impact on the markets they serve. If you're willing and open to help and share, you know, and also, you know, ask for information, ask for help. You know, um, it's a great support community for everybody um, involved in e-commerce. You know, whether you're doing, um, you know, um, you're looking to do seven figures a year, you're doing seven figures a month, or you're looking to, to get seven figures profitability, you know, um, entrepreneurs of different levels are there. And it's a step beyond this podcast. It's, you know, a leap beyond this podcast to connect, to engage, to talk to me, actually, and um, talk to other people, other members, other listeners. And um, what I'm doing is I'm also reaching out to people I interview on the podcast um, to come and join us in the group. So we, you guys can um, ask the questions, pressing questions on there. Um, I'll be running live um 
you know, um, podcast interviews from time to time within that community, that private community. Um, and in those live, you know, episodes, um, I would allow you guys ask questions, you know, in, in the comments area right there. So it's not just me. So it's a step to further engage, you know, with the community, you know, in general. So, um, yeah, to get to, to, to the group, um, just use a bit.ly link. It's bit.ly forward slash e-commerce FB, one word. So it's bit.ly forward slash e-commerce FB. And it will redirect you to the Facebook group. Um, and we will connect. Stay tuned. Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. And you know, this is a podcast for rapid growth in online retail. And on today's episode, you know, I feel starstruck, I have to be honest with you, uh, because um, the gentleman I have with me, um, I followed him back in is it 2014 or 15. Um, basically, I'm going to cut... <laughs> Cut it short, right? Cut the story short. He's he's the CEO of Jungle Scout, um, Greg Mercer. Most of you would have heard about Jungle Scout. You probably don't know who's behind Jungle Scout, but you know if you've heard about Jungle Scout, you know he's the man. You know managing a team of a hundred employees, building out and starting the journey of you know thousands of thriving Amazon businesses. In my opinion, Jungle Scouts is a data company. It's a big data company, you know, um, just churning through all of that data in Amazon and, you know, bringing in value. You know, there's a lot of data in Amazon and they're, 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 they're fishing out the, the best-selling products. It is amazing. It's an amazing software. Um, you know, Greg's a, a great guy. He gives back to, to charity. I think you're a nomad, right? Um, you, you, do you travel because you look like used to be a full-time nomad. Um, (laughs) more recently I started about a year ago. I got an apartment in Austin. So now I'm an Austin, Texas resident. I still travel a good bit actually, but I do call this home now. Fantastic. 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 And without further ado, I'd like to welcome you, Greg. Welcome. Good. No, thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to be on the two X e-commerce podcast and to chat with you. Cheers, cheers, cheers. I probably haven't done you sufficient justice. Um, Could you take a minute or two to introduce yourself and Jungle Scout? Sure. So I, um, if we rewind back to my university days, I went to school to be a civil engineer. I didn't like it. I dreaded going into work every day. I had my, the whole, my whole life, I had the, kind of like the strong entrepreneurial spirit. And I really wanted to start my own business. So I got started with that by actually selling physical products on Amazon. I was able to kind of like replace my income as an engineer. And that's actually when um, my wife and I both quit our jobs. We sold all of our house, we sold all of our stuff, and we became nomads, like you mentioned. So for three years following that, we actually had no home. Everything we owned fit inside of a backpack. And we traveled around the world for three years. And it was a very uh, special experience. And uh, kind of e-commerce and selling online is what gave me kind of like the location, time, and money freedom to be able to do that. And it was really special. And during that time... One of my largest pain points for scaling up my business was finding new products to sell on Amazon. So, you know, once you kind of understand how Amazon works, you know, uh, especially in the private label space, it's a very kind of like repeatable and scalable process. And what it really comes down to, like the easiest way to scale these businesses is just to sell more products on Amazon. So that was kind of like the roadblock that I was running into is that, you know, I was launching products, some were doing well, some weren't doing well. And I didn't, I didn't really have all the answers to know why some were succeeding and some were failing. And that ultimately led to me 
um, to create some algorithms where I was able to accurately estimate how well any product on Amazon was selling. And as a result, I could gauge demand really well on Amazon. And then ultimately, what started off as just like a little hobby side project um, that turned into what we know of Jungle Scout today. So now we make you know that technology available to all of our customers. So not only can they see demand on Amazon, but now Jungle Scout's much more than that. They can um, uh, also do keyword research and they can track different products. And actually, just yesterday, we launched one of our biggest uh, new features probably we've released in the past couple of years. And it's actually a, a database for finding suppliers. Okay. Uh, I won't get all into all the details of it in this introduction. But yeah, as of today, I spend about probably 95% of my time on the software company and actually still have my physical products business selling through the Amazon channel. And um, yeah, it's still fun for me to launch new products and kind of stay in the know of what's going on uh, on that marketplace. Exactly. And then you're, you know, you're, you're actually using your product and you're, you, you feel the, the pains and, you know, um, the benefits and joys of, you know, your customers, you know, being, That's exactly being right. a seller. Exactly. Yeah. It's really hard to like resonate with them really well if I was just totally disconnected from like selling on Amazon, right? By still trying to optimize my listings and launch new products. It's like super easy for me to put myself in their shoes, understand what pains they're having, you know, understand how these tools work really like to a really d- deep level. So yeah, it's beneficial. It's, it's empathy, you know, one-on-one. Okay. Let's start. So, so how, how old, when, when did you start um, the first iteration? When did you get the first iteration of Jungle Scout, you know, um, out, out of beta, you know, out of, you know, your private, um, as your private tool to, to the public? Yeah. I launched it in January of 2015. So a little over four years ago. Okay. Well, okay. And okay, let's talk about Amazon um, in January, 2015 versus, um, you know, Amazon now in, in April, you know, 2019, what, what, what does it look like, you know, five, for four years, well, four years apart? Yeah, it's definitely a different marketplace. Um, you know, back in January, 2015, people creating their own brands, um, most commonly known as kind of like private label sellers, they weren't quite as common. You know, back in January 2015, there was very little online education about like creating your own brands, private label brands, importing from China. There were some of it, some people were just getting started, but it was nothing like compared to what it is today. So like on Amazon now, even when you just go on there and make a search, you'll notice that there's much, there's many more brands, especially brands you haven't really heard of that are primarily, you know, these private label brands exclusively on Amazon. Um, I would say there's, you know, there's definitely more sellers. The number of sellers, of course, are growing every year on Amazon. There is more competition. People are getting a little bit smarter about how to create these really high quality uh, listings and, you know, use these pieces of data to uh, drive their decision making to launch successful products. That being said, there's also quite a bit more demand. Like I've noticed on my products that I've had on Amazon for four or five years. Like if you look back over five years of history, you know, some of these products now are selling twice as much or sometimes even three times as much today as what they were five years ago. So the Amazon marketplace has grown quite a bit more uh, as well. You know, like there's much more volume of transactions from their customers. Interesting. Um, and then what about the data sets you're having to deal with? Um, you know, um, I guess, you know, you have APIs into Amazon and you have Amazon APIs that, you know, and, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of product listing data. How does, you know, um, you know, what you had, you know, four years ago compared to what you have today, what you're having to deal to sort through, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Good question. 
Yeah, um, uh, the listeners probably can't see this, but I'm smiling right now because four years ago, it was very rudimentary, um, very limited data set, no real historical information. Um, the, you know, like the database of data was relatively small. Like we're talking tens of millions of rows, whereas now we're talking billions of rows of data inside the Jungle Scout database. So it was, it's just like on a whole different scale now. And with that comes, uh, you know, kind of like much more accuracy. There's also like just a lot more things that we can do to look at uh, historical trends and seasonality. And we also now have a team of um, three full-time and one part-time. So I call it three and a half data scientists that um, their full-time job is just kind of like crunching these numbers and seeing what kind of insights they can pull away from it. Um, one of the things we're really proud of now is we call these our AccuSales uh, algorithms. And we're able to estimate with a median error of plus or minus 12% the sales of any um, products on Amazon. So comparatively to four years ago, you know, if we were estimating, uh, let's say a thousand units per month, it was really probably between like, mm, let's say like 600 and 1400, like plus or minus 40%. Whereas oh. now we've actually fine tuned that down to plus or minus 12%, um, which is uh, pretty good. I mean, now we're getting really like you can tell to a high degree of accuracy how well these products are selling. It's, it's very interesting. Um, is it, where would you attribute the, the progress to um, the, the bigger data sets or um, you know, more sophisticated engineering in the background? It's, I'd say 70% more sophisticated engineering in the background, 30% bigger data sets. Um, the, these data scientists, they all have PhDs. They're very smart at you know, like when I talk to him, I feel like I'm speaking Chinese, even though like I have a pretty strong math background. <laughs> so it's like very hard for me to even understand what they're doing. But, you know, they're just like testing all these different types of um, algorithms and using machine learning and trying all these different experiments every day to see if like essentially we can re, uh, like reverse engineer how kind of like Amazon's working from not only sales, but also things like search volume and how you rank products and all these different things. So it's... Um, we actually share a lot of it with the public. We release some of these case studies and stuff. And then some of it, you know, we have to kind of keep proprietary and keep in house, but it, it's pretty cool. Some of the, the discoveries they've made, like we feel like we have just like an excellent understanding of how Amazon works and like what's kind of like, you know, hidden behind the curtains that they won't share. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, so Jungle Scouts has, and from my, um, from my understanding, Jungle Scout has or had prior to this new update two key products. Um, mm -hmm. One was the Chrome, the one you, you buy one yeah. off and you install in your Chrome. And the other was kind of like a, a, a live, a leaving database, you know, where you could just mm -hmm. research and has, has it changed or um, what does the ecosystem look like in terms of like a product offer? Uh, a yeah, so there's actually still our main two products. So one's a Chrome extension. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of the listeners are probably uh, familiar with Chrome extensions, but you install them into your Google Chrome browser. And then when you're browsing Amazon, there's a little icon in the top, right? You can click it. And then you see like a pop-up with a whole bunch of data, um, like the sales and like the quality of the listing and uh, historical trends, things like that. So that's one piece of it. And that's actually like our, still our most used product, even though that was like the first thing we released, that's mm -hmm. still actually the most used because it's just so user-friendly. Like the usability of it's great. Like all Amazon sellers are always kind of like on Amazon browsing around. And it's just so easy to click that and be able to see like all these different data points associated with these listings. So that's really cool. And mm -hmm. then our other product is our um, web application like you described. And it's grown quite a bit from what you've described, but that was kind of like the first major feature was like a product database where we've kind of like rebuilt Amazon's catalog and made it um, 
user-friendly for sellers to search through. So you could, um, you could, you know, say like, Hey, show me all the products in Amazon's catalog that sell at least 500 units a month, even though they get poor reviews and they have a poor quality listing or only show me ones in this um, category. You can use all these different filters to find opportunities on Amazon. So that was kind of like the first big area we added to it. But now you can do a lot more. You can like track daily products. You can see um, historical sales and seasonality. Um, we have a keyword research tool. We help you build um, listings that are well optimized and convert well. Um, and then, like I said, yesterday we released a, um, a really powerful piece of functionality to help you find suppliers. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, so how does the supplier, you know, um, database work, um, now? Good question. Okay. So what we did is when you import goods into the U S you have to fill out some paperwork, obviously. And, um, part of this gets filed with, um, a government organization. So actually through the freedom of information act, we were able to purchase all that data from the government put it into a database. It's a few hundred million rows of data. And this is essentially all imports that have come into the US over the past five years. Mm. So this is very, it was very messy data. And it was very kind of like hard to sort through and hard to use. But we did um, some pretty cool stuff to clean it up. And then something we did on top of that, and this was actually the technically the most challenging part, but we were able to match up brand names with legal entities um, to a high degree of accuracy. So now actually what you can do is you can go on Amazon, you can find a brand, you can search in our database, and we'll actually show you the legal entity associated with that brand and all the imports they've made into the US over the past five years and what suppliers they purchased the goods from. So like you can now... You know, like the old way of finding suppliers. <laughs> That's totally <laughs> like reverse engineering a business. Yeah, <laughs> it's super cool. So the old <laughs> way of finding suppliers, you know, it's like going on Alibaba and contacting all these and you weren't sure if they were high quality and you weren't sure if they're going to rip you off or whatever else. So now what I do is I just like, if I want to launch a new product, let's say I want to sell like coffee cups. I just go on Amazon. I find what listings have like the highest quality coffee cups. I like, get the best reviews because they're like uh-huh. the best factories. Uh-huh. And then I just put it in the tool. And I just see what factory they're using. I just contact that factory. And the crazy part about it is once you start digging through all this and searching through and looking at it, what you'll see is like all of these, essentially like all these really big successful companies almost like all use the same factories for their goods. Like I was looking at backpacks yesterday and it's like Osprey, North Face, LL Bean, um, even Michael Kors, like all these big brands, they're all using the same factory to make their backpacks. So it's like, okay, you know, this is like the highest quality factory. Um, so that was really cool. And then you can also, yeah. I don't think any, any, I don't think anyone's done this. And, um, the fact that it's backed by data, is another because you have like you know there's some startups I've I've spoken to that sort of make this proprietary information on the back end and then they help you and then they bring you you know options but you know you're right. giving this power to us mortals. Yeah. It's super cool and it's very sorry very powerful. You, yeah, sorry for cutting you short. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh yeah, it's it's one, there's there's all these other use cases. We don't have to get into all of them, but once you dig into it, it's like wow, there's so many cool things you can do with this because you also see, you know, what months they're importing goods, um, how many units they're importing. So now you can start to see like okay, um, your competitors like how many you know uh, or like what types of volumes are they importing. So even if yeah. you know we already know now like 
we can determine sales on Amazon to a high degree of accuracy. But mm-hmm. you know, these um, multi-channel type brands, now you can see like, okay, how many units of this do they import each year? And like, yeah. that's how many they're selling across channels. Yeah. So now you can compare like what percentage of their sales are on Amazon. So you can just do all this really cool, powerful stuff yeah. with it. And then their cycles, you, you understand their, their import cycles. What totally. about international businesses selling, importing into um, into America, into the US? Um, are you still able to sort of match brands with, um, would their names show up in, in, the, um, in the shipping documentation or um, how, how would it work? Is this just two yeah. brands or? Yeah, good question. We can match brands with legal entities to about, a, we're at about, I think about 90% accuracy and that's worldwide companies. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily need to be a US company to match the brand with. Um, we get data from like a number of different sources, um, kind of like all around the world. And we use all of those to determine like who owns which of these brands. Now, the reason I say it's 90% is Um, some of these really big or sophisticated companies, you know, like they're owned by shell companies and they're importing underneath this other name and whatever else. And it's, it's really hard to kind of connect all the dots once you have all these different legal entities stacked on top of each other. So some of them are able to kind of mask it a little bit, but like 90% of the time um, you can actually figure it out pretty easily. Super interesting. Super, super interesting. Okay. Then um, jungle scout users, um, What, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm I'm thinking, you know, some users are like full-time sellers on Amazon. Um, Mm. Others are like um, about to get started. And you have another, um, you know, probably um, another sort of pocket of users that um, are e-commerce and perhaps also looking to extend into, you know, Amazon as an additional channel. Um, am I right or have I missed any pockets? Um, That's exactly right. We have um, we have over 200,000 users now wow. and our customer base mimics the Amazon seller base really well. So about like 70% of sellers on Amazon are really small. We're talking about like 100 sales a month, maybe 300 sales a month, like very small businesses. And then let's say like 20% are... Um, bigger businesses, like these would be like full-time, um, you know, like e-commerce sellers. Maybe they have like one or two employees. And then like, I'd say like 10% of them are like larger businesses that have whole teams and are more multi-channel and whatever else. So that kind of mimics our customer base. Um, mm-hmm. Is that's, that's what Amazon seller base looks like. And that's kind of like what our customer base looks like as well. So we have everyone from the person, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I want to start selling on Amazon or I want to get into e-commerce. And oftentimes Jungle Scout's kind of like their first purchase so they can start to understand what the good opportunities are. So, you know, we have those guys that are guys and gals that are just kind of like aspiring sellers all the way up to, um, I'd say about a hundred of the Fortune 500 companies are using Jungle Scout as well. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay, let's let's talk about... I, I remember back in 2015, 16, when, when I um, used the software, you laid down some rules, you know, and those rules actually are accurate to, you know, to just fully accurate in the sense that um, you, you gave dimension requirements, weight requirements, you know, um, how to find, you know, the Alibaba um, or, you know, the, your suppliers, you, you gave some rules, some ground rules for people starting out or for brands looking to extend, you know, their, you know, um, 
they're selling on Amazon. Um, so comparing 2015 or 16 now to 2019, what, what set of rules should people be aware mm. of when trying to, you know, what mistake shouldn't they make, you know, trying to get into right. Amazon today? Yeah, good question. And um, a little bit of background on that, you know, like I was, um, like I mentioned, I was launching a lot of products on Amazon. So I kind of built a system that was like, hey, if the opportunity fits inside of this kind of criteria, what I've seen with my products is it's a very high chance of success. And the way that I was thinking about selling products on Amazon wasn't about creating kind of like a cohesive brand of products that all fit together really nicely. Because ultimately, if you're just selling on Amazon, people aren't searching for your brand. People go to Amazon and they search for the um, a descriptor of the product. So they're not searching for um, uh, Mr. Coffee brand coffee cups. They just type in coffee cups, right? And what we found is like they ultimately on Amazon, um, people ultimately don't care that much about the brand. They're much more driven by like the reviews and the price of the product. So with that in mind, I was like, okay, you know, like if, you know, we're using coffee cups as an example, because it's morning my time, I'm not drinking coffee right now. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, instead of like selling like a coffee cup and a coffee maker and a coffee reheater and a um, whatever else, like all in this line, like instead I'll just sell like coffee cups and tripods and lights and marshmallow sticks and whatever else. Okay. So that was the way that I went about thinking about it. There's different schools of thought about whether or not, you know, like that's the best thing to do long term. For me personally, I still like that strategy. And with that strategy, when I'm looking at launching new products, and when I do this, just to be clear to the listeners, um, I get it directly from uh, the factories and I'm putting my own brand name on it. So, like, I'm the brand owner. I'm not purchasing this from, say, a wholesaler and reselling is, it. Is, is your brand is it uniform across, you know, the varied products or um, do you change brands, you know, depending on the products? Yeah, I have about, um, I think, six different brands and they're all pretty generically named so that there's not like a, um, a strong kind of like uh, mental idea or vision of what that, um, the, like that type of brand would be. Okay. So, but uh, I think you originally asked about the criteria and um, nowadays, you know, uh, it has changed. You are right. My favorite types of products to launch now are the ones that I see the most success with are products that are selling well. So, you know, I'll look in that particular niche and I'd like to see the top sellers all selling at least like 500 units per month. Mm -hmm. And now my favorite thing to do is to find the products that are doing well like that. It's like 500 a month or more, even though they're getting bad reviews. So I do about 3.5 stars or less. And what this tells me is customers really want these products because products with bad reviews on Amazon don't sell very well. So yeah. this thing only has like an average of three and a half reviews and it's still selling really well. That's like a true, like they're just a great indicator of that customers really want this. And ideally they would want something that's um, improved. And then how I go about improving it is all I do is read the bad reviews. And this is again, like so cool because like 10 years ago, you know, these big companies would probably spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars on like these market research studies to like see how they can improve their product. Now, like in five minutes, I can just read the bad reviews and I know exactly what's wrong with it. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah. And oftentimes it's um, relatively simple things. Like sometimes all it is, is that it's misrepresented on the listings. So like they think they're getting a, um, an extension cord that has like three plugs and it's grounded, but really it's just like two plugs or like, you know, like the two, whatever those little things are called. So like oftentimes it's just really simple stuff like that. More often it's quality things. So, um, you know, one of our case studies I sold, um, 
uh, hooded baby towels and all the bad reviews on there were just that the fabric was too thin and that after you'd wash it a few times, it'd start to uh, fall apart. So I'm not like reinventing these products. I'm just approaching these factories. I'm just saying like, hey, instead of using this thickness of fabric, I want to use one a little bit thicker, but like I want the same design. So like I'm making relatively small improvements but as a result now, like instead of like three and a half stars, it gets like four and a half stars. And, you know, if you're selling like at the same price or even a few dollars more and it's like, you know, like four and a half stars versus three and a half stars, what we found is like customers um, very much so gravitate to the higher quality product or the product that gets better reviews on Amazon. Reviews on Amazon are gold. Very important. Yeah. Which, which bridge, bridges me to my next question, which is, um, what's a, what's the ranking criteria today in 2019, um, on, on, on Amazon? Um, so the question is, what does it take to, uh, to rank well for keywords on well, Amazon? Ex- exactly. Um, you know, how do, 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 do brands, you know, jump up the listings organically mm-hmm. um, on, on Amazon today? Yeah. Great question. So, um, it really comes down to like, we can, um, <clears throat> simplify this into like three main areas. Okay. The first one is sales velocity. So how often does this, you know, like how many units does this product sell or essentially like how quickly is it selling? And Amazon takes into account kind of short-term sales velocity as well as long-term sales velocity. So they'll actually give a little bit more credit to listings that have been selling well for a longer period of time. Okay. So sales mm-hmm. velocity is one. Um, the other one is conversion rate. Okay. And there's a lot of things that go into your conversion rate, right? This is like your price, your reviews, your photos, all, you know, your description, all these types of things, um, impact your conversion rate for your listing, but it's ultimately comes down to conversion rate. And then lastly, it's just kind of like the, uh, keyword relevance, relevancy for your product. So Amazon has gotten very sophisticated at being able to understand whether or not your keyword is, uh, or excuse me, if your product is relevant for that keyword. So they're using things like they determine what categories and subcategories you're in. Um, they're looking at um, how often customers convert for that keyword when they search for it. Um, and it, like a number of other factors. So it's much more than like, just kind of like what's in your title, right? So mm-hmm. it really comes down to those three things, you know, like if you can be thinking about ways um, to improve those three items, that's ultimately what leads to ranking well on Amazon. Now, kind of like the strategies and tactics to improve those three things, there's lots of different ones, but ultimately that's what it comes down to. Okay, sales velocity, shots and long-term conversion rates and keyword relevancy of the product, which Amazon determined. Yep. Okay, awesome, awesome. Okay, then what about paid, um, you know, paid-sponsored, you know, adverts Mm -hmm. on Amazon? What does... How important is is it um, for you know retailers looking to to get into Amazon to, today? Yeah, it's um it's really turned into kind of like a uh, a must do on Amazon. You know, like I'd say when I started five years ago, uh, the program was very new and young. It was less expensive. It wasn't necessarily required. Whereas now. Uh, at least in the more competitive stuff, you you really kind of have to uh, be using uh, Amazon sponsored products. So, um, you know, that's kind of the natural progression of all these like large marketplaces and like Google and like everything else, right? This is like additional revenue for them. So it makes sense that it's trending towards this. Um, So long story short, it, you know, if you're going to be getting into Amazon, just understand that that is like part of the game. um, And you'll, you'll need like a, a, at least a pretty good strategy around it. Okay. What about you, the unit economics? You know, um, mm-hmm. you 
you know, um, what percentage of your costs, you know, or gross sales do you think is healthy as a threshold for sponsored, you know, for, for, for sponsored listings? Mm, good question. On my, um, on my, like my best products. So the, like on the, the cheapest end, I'm spending about three to 5% of total revenue on sponsored products for that product. Okay. On the higher end, the really competitive stuff or the stuff that doesn't convert as well, I'm actually probably spending up to, uh, it's probably getting close to 20%. So it's pretty high on some of those. Okay. And um, on a, like a per unit basis, um, kind of the threshold I set for my PPC is like to sell a unit through sponsored products at a break even rate. Um, yeah. That's kind of like the threshold that I set. And the idea behind that is like, okay, I don't make any money on those sales that they're clicking through my sponsored products to purchase, but that is resulting in the sales velocity, which we know improves the organic rank. So, um, you know, when I say I break even for the sponsored products, I'm still making sales organically that aren't clicking through the sponsored products, but um, that's the kind of the way that I think about it and the way that's worked pretty well for me. And um, if like, I was speaking to, to lady, um, you know, two, two episodes ago, maybe even three. And she was like, when they were brainstorming on, um, when they're brainstorming on, um, on their, they're into like subscription box, you know, for, for dogs. And cool. said one of the, before they did, she didn't really have that much passion in, in, you know, in, in the stuff, but she went mm. into Amazon and, um, she was just looking at the subscribe, you know, all the, um, the products and Amazon that go, that just have the subscribe button. Mm-hmm. And that's how they just shortlisted their potential oh, cool. number of businesses. And I guess if like you, you, you break even and that first sale and you know, people are the repeat customers, you're getting your reviews, it snowballs, mm. doesn't it? So yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Right. Okay. So let, let's talk about, um, you know, data, you know, um, in, in my opinion, uh, you know, you're a data company, mm. um, how can, you know, retailers sort of use, um, you know, data, you know, how, how can retailers listening to, to this use data to, to, to improve, you know, um, you know, their, their business, you know, what, what, what points, you know, where, where do you start, you know, where, where do you start? Right. Yeah, I think the place to start is kind of like in your, um, uh, I think it has to be, you have to start like in your kind of product selection. And, you know, I've worked with literally just hundreds of different businesses, like spoken with them, um, helped them optimize their, you know, their products and their businesses and everything else. And to me, there's like a clear, um, the most successful businesses that I've worked with, it's very clear that they're good at making these data-backed decisions, right? Um, I think, you know, it's good, I think, to be passionate about your business. But um, what you have to be careful of is that these kind of like emotions and passion isn't overriding um, uh, like good decisions from like a kind of like a data standpoint. So the, the businesses that are struggling, oftentimes they don't understand their numbers very well. They're not like kind of like looking at this data to make decisions. And instead, they're kind of like going off after uh, more so kind of like what their gut feelings telling them. And I think it's kind of like a pretty dangerous thing to do, especially kind of like in the modern era of e-commerce. Um, really, these most successful businesses are just like very good at using data to drive their decisions. 
Okay, let's talk about understanding their numbers. I'm a retailer. Say I'm, you know, I have my Shopify store or I run a big mm-hmm. commerce or Magento. Um, I'm, you know, I'm selling quite successfully yoga. This is a real case study, by the way. Say sure. I, from from somebody, I, we're selling um, yoga, um, yoga, yoga apparel, and you know, uh-huh. yoga accessories, and we want to get into Amazon. Um, where what numbers do we need to understand? Cool. So yeah, if you want to sell um, yoga and you know, kind of yeah. like in the so, yoga so line, so the first thing I would have, do to understand. So yeah. say, say we've had like pretty good success, and you know, off Amazon, mm-hmm. and we're we're looking to expand, you know, potentially globally, you know, um, with with all the Amazon marketplace. We want to start in in Amazon, the USA. Cool. So I would start by thinking about, okay, which of these products in my line sell well on Amazon? Because uh, a mistake that I see e-commerce sellers make is like, okay, you know, this is what sells well on my website or, Hey, I'm just going to send my whole product line into Amazon. And that can be a little bit of a dangerous thing because when these products don't sell, you know, you have cash tied up, you're having these long-term storage fees. So it's a pretty dangerous thing. So I'd encourage you to like, look at your whole product line and see, uh, look at the demand for these products on Amazon and see what's selling well on Amazon. Cause it's not always the same thing as what's on your e-commerce store. So, you know, I would look at your whole product line, uh, kind of like start there. And then I would take it like a line deeper and even look to see which different types of colors or styles are doing well. So, you know, you can use a tool like Jungle Scout, for example, like let's um, look at uh, like uh, yoga mats or something like that and say like, hey, you know, let's look at all these top listings of yoga mats on Amazon. What are the most popular colors? And you can see pretty clearly, it's like, oh man, the black one, uh, you know, on this listing selling a thousand units a month, the blue one's 800 and uh, like the yellow, red, pink, those are all only selling like a hundred or whatever a month. So like right away, you should be like using that to understand like, okay, like that's, um, proportionate to like the inventory that I should be sending in. So I think that's like a really important way to go about it. Um, some of the other kind of like, uh, uh, numbers that would encourage you guys to be looking at would be when you're creating your listing, um, something that's really important is determining which keywords, uh, you would really like to target are most important. So you can look at uh, search volume for all these different keywords again, by using a tool like jungle scout and, um, you understand how much search volume there is for all of these. And then you need to determine which of these search terms are the most relevant for your product and have high search volume. So again, that's very important that you know, you're ranking well for your, uh, the major search terms. And again, oftentimes what happens is people are surprised what users are searching for and ending up purchasing that type of product. So an example of this is uh, one of the case study products, and you actually mentioned this was my um, bamboo marshmallow sticks. Okay. And, um, you know, that's what I was calling them. I call them bamboo marshmallow sticks. That's what I was calling them throughout the case study. But actually, once you start, once you start to do some good in-depth keyword research, um, the, uh, the search terms that were most common for customers were different. There were things like barbecue skewers and, um, campfire was a very popular search term. So like campfire tools, campfire, uh, cooking utensils, some things like that. And these other search terms were actually just as popular and more popular than what I was calling my own product, which was bamboo marshmallow sticks. So those are, those are a couple examples of like the ways that you should be, um, using like the, the, the real data that we have to, uh, like kind of drive some of the decision-making, uh, you're, you're doing. So, so would Jungle Scout give you like um, synonyms, you know, um, to the keywords you have in mind? So you thought, you know, um, or you know, you you your your you, you reference, you know, your your, your products, you know, to be bamboo marshmallow sticks. Um, how you know, 
and obviously people were were, were were talking about like campfire, you know, sticks or skewer sticks, barbecue skewers. Um, would John Scott help me find these other variants, keyword variants? In the yeah, I'm actually really glad you, you asked that because um, that was actually the sole or like pretty much the sole reason that we ended up creating our own keyword research tool. Because there are other keyword research tools out there on the market. Some of them even specialize in Amazon. But the thing I was frustrated with was when I was going to use these tools and typing in like a term like marshmallow sticks, what was happening is they were giving me suggestions based off the Amazon autocomplete. So I would see like marshmallow sticks, 36 inch, marshmallow sticks, metal, marshmallow sticks, bamboo, uh, bamboo, marshmallow sticks. So like it was always including the terms like marshmallow or sticks, which doesn't really help you to understand what the customers are actually searching for. So the reason that we built our own tool is to fix that problem. So instead, what, what we've done is we've looked at customer search behavior on Amazon. We see what search terms they're entering and then what types of products they end up buying. So actually, just as you were asking that question, I have a laptop in front of me. I just typed in marshmallow sticks into the Jungle Scout keyword research tool. And so, you know, marshmallow sticks was my seed keyword. And I see that the second most search term is actually s'mores maker. So people are typing in s'mores maker and then ending up buying a product um, like marshmallow sticks. Uh, the third one is um, actually hot dog toaster. So people are using hot dogs on these marshmallow sticks to like roast them over a campfire. And that was actually like the third most um, search word. And I'm seeing other things like camping utensils, fire pit accessories, um, s'more stick, kids camping gear. So it gives you all these other search terms that people are using to end um, and then end up purchasing a product like marshmallow sticks. So yeah, that's actually, I'd say that like our, our um, keyword recommendation engine is actually probably like our secret sauce behind our keyword research tool. And then in addition to that, we can show you like the 90% success bid rates for like things like headline search ads, exact match PPC bids, broad match PPC bids, um, so there's a lot of data in there that you can use to um, really help you with your business. Greg, that is amazing stuff because, um, you know, who would have thought, you know, people were, you know, looking for like, you know, hot dog, you know, toasters for, for skewer sticks. It's very interesting because you, you know, you can apply this outside of Amazon. Um, totally, yeah. Right in Google for your, for um, mm -hmm. what research you could also apply it when you're creating ads on Facebook, you know, if yeah. you look for different, you know, ad angles. Um, so outside of Amazon, are you seeing people use, um, you know, this is one of the questions I actually, you know, wrote down and I was going to ask yeah. you, use, use jungle scouts in other areas of e-commerce. Mm. Yeah, I was actually, I was just at a um, conference. It was last week. It was a show called Prosper Show. And it's primarily um, uh, built for Amazon sellers. But um, one of the cool things about it is a lot of like large agencies and a large Amazon sellers and all different types of people were there. And my favorite part about going to conferences is just getting to talk to all of our customers. And one of the things that was really eye-opening was speaking with a lot of these agencies is all of the use cases that they use Jungle Scout for. So it's like it... Um, it's really cool to just have like these customers come up to you and like, Oh my gosh, I love jungle scout so much, you know, like and go on and on about it. And like, I'm asking like, how are you using it? And they're like, actually, we don't really, we don't really use it for Amazon. What we're doing is like, we're doing consulting for this like big brand and we're letting them know, um, you know, the difference between, um, 
sales uh, decreasing over time when you don't enforce map pricing and like all these different use cases are like all the all just this crazy stuff. I was like, wow, I never thought about it like that. And they're like, yeah, let me show you like this graph that we use this data for and like all these, you know, there's just the if you're just kind of like a, a data geek type person, you like using, you know, the, the numbers um, to kind of influence your business or help with other ways. There's just like all these ways that people have found out to use um, this Amazon sales data because ultimately like Amazon's the, you know, like the 800 pound gorilla is for when it comes to uh, e-commerce. So by knowing all these insights about what's selling, you know, like what's competitive, what's converting well, what are people searching for? These are all like the same piece of data insights that you can use all around your business, whether you're running Facebook ads or, um, I don't know, like it, it, the list just goes on and on. Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard about, you know, um, some guys who, will use Jungle Scout um, to figure out, you know, products, you know, really fast selling products or, you know, trending products. And then they create a single funnel page um, with upsells. Yeah. And they just use Facebook ads to mm. drive traffic and, you know, make a, a ton of sales outside of Amazon, you know, right. Amazon products. You know, so the data is where it's at. It's gold. <laughs> it's, it is cool. Yeah. Like other people are right. even using it to determine, um, what products they want to, uh, promote on their, uh, like their blog that they earn affiliate commissions from. Cause they want to mm. see like, kind of like what's selling the best. Yeah. Um, someone else said in the success story that they were using it to help determine the title of their book that they were writing mm. because, you know, ultimately Amazon was going to be the biggest platform of people purchasing this book. So it's kind of like book publishers are using this to help people make um, decisions on what's a title or book. It's crazy. Interesting. Do you, does Jungle Scouts also cover the books category now or I don't recall. Yes, we cover um, books and Kindle um, are uh, to be transparent are, the accuracy of our sales for digital products like Kindle aren't as good because it's um, quite a bit more difficult for us uh, to just get it. But we're still able to give you kind of like rough estimates. So yeah, it covers all categories on Amazon, but digital products are a little bit harder to get some of the data around. Well, hardcover books are, are easy to, uh, yeah. to cover. Yeah, they're, they're amazing, perfect. Amazing, 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 amazing stuff. Um, is there any thing we haven't talked about, um, mm. you know, um, you know, um, for, for retailers listening, you know, you know, kin to, to, you know, yeah. especially this data bit, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, man, I, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. I love it. I'm, you know, right now I'm, I'm really excited about this supplier database stuff since we yeah. just launched this thing. So yeah. I, if, you know, if I was to kind of leave people with one last thought here is that, you know, if you're purchasing your um, the products you're selling directly from factories, or actually, even if you're not, I would really encourage you to check this out because the the insights you're getting from this are just fascinating about um, you know who the customers are from these factories. You know, sometimes you'll find out you're their biggest customer, then you have more leverage for negotiating better rates. Um, if you're importing to the U.S. and you're worried about the China trade war, you can find factories outside of China. Mm. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on for all the insights you can get about these different factories, uh, who's importing them, how much they're importing, all these different types of things. So I think you're crazy not to like, kind of at least check that yeah. out. What about apparel? You know, um, so um, am I, are we able to figure out, you know, um, you know, factories of apparel brands and stuff like that on, on Amazon? Totally. Um, you know, I, I was actually just looking at some of those yesterday. I was watching, uh, or I was looking at 
you know, these big kind of like outdoor apparel brands were um, really kind of like amazing me. So I was seeing what factories um, kind of like uh, North Face was using for like their jackets versus their socks versus whatever else. And again, it always just shocks me that a lot of these big apparel companies are using like the same factories. I think I saw the same thing like with Nike and Under Armour. They were essentially both getting their um, kind of like their moisture wicking gear like from the same factory. So it's like, it's kind of funny to think that, you know, it's like, it really just all comes down to the branding with a lot of these products because it's all like the same factory and kind of like the same stuff that they're making. <laughs> the story really is, on the brand, yeah. Yeah, um, it's it, funny. Yeah, it, it is very, very, very interesting. Um, what well, actually, one thing we were going to speak about was... Um, kind of like the Amazon market trends and their private label stuff. I thought, I exactly. thought that was pretty fascinating. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted to ask, you know, um, like one of my friends, you know, um, he was looking to, you know, um, move his factory out of um, apparel, um, out of China to Vietnam. And he didn't know what to do, you know, what steps to, to take. And I guess, using jungle scout to to shortlist at least you know um the number of apparel companies in in, in vietnam will be you know quite interesting for him mm-hmm. um i guess the next problem you know you guys could solve would be rating these companies in a way you know at some point you know having some yeah some we sort- don't um so we do it to a certain extent because we show you um their kind of like trade history. So that's beneficial because you can see like, okay, this company, this factory has been around for four years. They do one or two imports every single month. So it's like, okay, that's probably like pretty, um, that'd be, that'd be a, com- a factory that I would definitely be comfortable working with because they do have a long history that we can verify. These are real um, imports that they're doing into the US. And okay. then you can see who their customers are. You can see what kind of reviews the products that they're making for their customers are getting on Amazon. So you can use all these, um, but definitely in the future, we'd like to do more things like, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, like Alibaba or one of those sites is still good for is they do do some kind of like factory inspections or show you what certifications they have or whatever else. Uh, There's a little bit of controversy about um, potential kind of like counterfeit documents that exist on there. So they might, you have to take them with a little bit of grain of salt, but it is like still kind of nice. So in the future, we'd like to kind of do some more stuff like that. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And what about this PLA trends? You know, um, so where do you see PLA, you know, um, you know, headed, you know, at the, at the moment, especially in regards, and thank you for reminding you know me, because we're having this conversation prior to this call. Um, so, you know, last year, if you asked me, I'd be like, ah, you know, um, diversify, you know, Amazon is there to, you know, take every, is there to use your data basically and, Mm -hmm. you know, sell their private label products. Um, you know, if you look at the battery category, for instance, you know, Amazon basic batteries sell more than, you know, Duracell and, um, Energizer, you know, these, these brands have been there for, for ages. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, we heard a few weeks ago that, you know, um, Amazon was um, cutting back on, you know, competing directly with, um, on, with, 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 with sellers, you know, so it was, it was not, I think the, the, the piece of news was like um, that they're, they're, they're not going to be buying third party um, wholesaling, basically. They're cutting down their wholesaling. Um, they, they were not stopping it completely, but they're cutting down their wholesaling. Um, do you think Amazon is going to double down on its basics? Do you think, um, you know, or do you, do you think they're going to completely cut off um, the, the wholesale operations and where they're buying other brands and selling on Amazon um, and allowing, you know, um, you know, sellers sell or direct to consumers, direct to consumer brand sell? 
what, what, what do you, what's Amazon's, you know, Amazon's there to make money, you know, regardless, but where are they totally. going to keep, you know, growing from? Are they, you know, going mm-hmm. to let, you know, more, more, you know, more, more sellers sell? Sorry, this is a very long question. <laughs> no, I'm glad you asked. I have, I have a lot of thoughts around this and I also have a lot of data points on both the stuff that we've gotten also from talking to people inside of Amazon and a whole bunch of other stuff. So th- there was a few questions in there. Let's well, I'll start off with the one <laughs> of the trend of moving from 1P to 3P on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So you're totally right. Like two or three years ago, all Amazon sellers were worried like, um, you know, Amazon eventually just going to start selling all of this stuff. They're going to kick me out of here or raise their prices or whatever else I'm going to be gone. And the trends have actually been the exact opposite of that. So if we look at the percentage of sales on a yearly basis from third party to first party, it's um, trending every year more and more towards third party sellers. And they actually released this in their quarterly uh, statements. So now it's up to, um, I think around 55, maybe even closer to 60% now of third party sales. And this is, um, I think there's a few reasons behind this. First one is the competitive advantage that Amazon has built is around their fulfillment centers. That's ultimately like the competitive mode that they have. And the reason that I don't think Walmart or anyone else is going to be able to catch up to them anytime soon. So with that, you know, I think to think about, okay, like we're building this fulfillment network. Now we're getting into like all uh, areas of logistics. Um, like how can we best use this? And with third-party sales, it's a guaranteed 15%, roughly depending on the category, 15% commission for every sale that they make. They don't have to estimate what they think is going to sell well. Um, they don't have to put up any capital. Um, they uh, And the other thing we've found out is on their first-party sales, their margins are actually quite a bit lower than 15%. So mm-hmm. what they're realizing is like, hey, when our third parties are selling these goods, um, we don't have to do any of like the purchasing and um, you know, like all this, we're making more money from it. Um, and like, it helps us get a better selection because we, now we have an army of millions of sellers, you know, putting all this um, selection up on their website. And that's ultimately what we know that they care about a lot. So I think that combined with the fact that, um, uh, so, so that's a, I think that's probably like the major piece of it is like, they've just realized, Hey, we actually make more money from these third party sellers. They do a better job at expanding our selection. And it's ultimately just like a better business model for us. And we'll more so be the marketplace with the fulfillment network. Okay. So that's part of it. I think they've also run into problems with, you know, there's a big investigation going on right now in the EU about some antitrust stuff. So they're starting to run into some of these issues of like having one P and three P on the same platform. And I think they're ultimately thinking like, Hey, why is this even even beneficial for us to sell this stuff 1P. Why don't we just let all of our sellers do this for us? So that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so that's part of it. Like, so actually, you know, a couple of years ago, I was concerned about this. And now I'm actually pretty confident that we're going to continue to see that trend in the future. I think if I come back on this podcast, let's say three years from now, that we'll say like, hey, instead of um, 55 or 60% of uh, sales on Amazon coming from third-party sellers, I actually think it's going to be like 70, 75%. I think we're just going to see the proportion of third-party sales grow, which is pretty cool. Another really interesting thing um, that I've discovered is uh, Q4 last year, we did this really interesting data-driven piece on Amazon's private label brand. So you brought that up, like Amazon Basics, and they have a number of other private label brands. And everyone just like the the 1P versus 3P issue, everyone was worried like, oh man, Amazon is just going to steal all of our factories. They're just going to start selling all this stuff themselves directly. 
Um, and again, there's going to put us all at this. And this is just a general entrepreneur thing. Just everything all the time. <laughs> what I found was most other private label brands weren't doing very well. And actually, Am- third-party Amazon sellers were doing better at selling this stuff than a lot of Amazon's brands. And what we were trying to look for were to see if there was any type of unfair advantage that Amazon was giving themselves over these third-party brands. Um, so you, you came up with the example of batteries. Now is actually one of their more successful products. But a lot of their stuff like apparel and a lot of these other categories, they actually weren't doing very well at. And um, our conclusion was we don't believe that they give themselves any type of advantage, like in the search engine ranking or anything like that. There was this um, weird sponsor product things they were testing for a little while that they were sh- that they were giving themselves like different placement. I haven't seen that uh, recently though. Um, but uh, my thinking behind this is that most of these smart, scrappy entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast right now are actually better at creating good products and creating good listings, creating good photography and everything around that on Amazon. They're actually better at it than these people working at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty interesting. And then one other data point I have is, uh, again, Q4 last year, I went to this, um, uh, this CEO summit and one of the um, other CEOs at the table just took on that job a few months ago. And prior to that, they actually ran the whole um, uh, private label business at Amazon. So they had a few hundred people that worked um, in their org and they were responsible for all of Amazon's private label brands. Mm-hmm. And actually the reason she quit and took this job as a CEO at this um, really cool company was they were actually scaling back her department. They were laying people off and she was worried about the future of her role at Amazon. So I thought that was pretty fascinating that like right, right. Amazon at first was like, oh man, we see all these private labelers, all these brand owners getting onto Amazon. We want a piece of that. And now they're thinking like, oh man, this is actually a little bit harder than we thought. Or we're not very good at it for whatever reason. And hey, we're making a whole bunch of money from just all these people that we're just letting sell on our platform. Like, why don't we just do that? So I yeah. think those are the conversations that are going on in Amazon right now. Super fascinating. You know, Zalando, um, the the European um, you know fashion platform, um, they're, 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 they're um, an Amazon for fashion. Um, so, you know, if you're looking to buy Nikes, Adidas, you know, Hugo Boss and, and like, you know, you, you just go to Zalando, it's, it's, it thrives outside of the UK, but um, they're massive. They had their private label, you know, brand and they've caught, they, they, they just had to stop it because um, mm. brand loyalty was the number one issue. You know, we, we, mm. we buy emotionally, you know, you, right. you have your favorite sweater, you, you know, you like your, you have your, your, your favorite brands and, you know, there's no mm. way you're going to buy a pair of Zalando trainers versus a Nike. It just, it's just not happening. So they cut it off and right. it is interesting in terms of brand loyalty and what we perceive a brand to be. Fascinating stuff, Greg. Amazing, amazing, amazing show. Great conversation. I thoroughly have enjoyed it. Um, there's one question I wanted to ask, which was, um, do you, what's, what are your thoughts on um, fulfilled by Amazon you know, warehouses? I personally think that um, you know, they, they're expensive. Um, mm. And um, you know, so Amazon gives the privileges of, you know, um, of the privilege to have that um, prime label if you, you know, um, quite efficiently and swiftly, quickly, you know, deliver, you know, products. What's your take on um, warehouse, you know, having your, having Amazon, you know, manage your warehouse in basically and fulfillment versus you doing it if you have the capability and the speed? 
I am a, a big proponent of the FBA warehouses and the whole system. Um, it, you know, it's if you were able to work, run a warehouse very, very efficiently, you could probably save some money there. That being said, like when I think about like what parts of my business are the best for me to sp- spend like kind of my like precious brain power working on, like the the fulfillment stuff and the warehouse stuff just isn't for me. That's um uh, it's just like hard to do. You know, the people you're hiring and work in the warehouses tend to have like more problems than uh, some of the you know people in other parts of your business. Uh, the list kind of just goes on and on with this, and it's like. What I really want to focus my brain power on is like like launching these products, like building out these brands, optimizing my listings on Amazon, like all these different types of things as opposed to the warehouse stuff. So that's my personal opinion about it. Um, I think some people might kind of enjoy that parts of their business, but it's just not for me. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okie dokie. Um, I guess we have, you know, um, I'm satisfied with the depth of our conversation. Um, thank you for, you know, um, you know, answering, you're going in depth. Um, for listeners looking to trial, you know, um, Jungle Scotch, you have any, you know, special offers to, to our, you know, to, to, to 2X e-commerce listeners? Um, uh, I'll tell you what, we, um, we can, uh, talk about that after the show and we'll see if we can get something lined up. Maybe you can put a link to it in the show notes. How's that sound? We'll do. We'll do. We'll cool. do. Okay. Um, before, before I let you go, um, I normally have a lightning round. Um, Let's I'm do gonna it. Ask you a set of five questions and if you could use a single you know, sentence to answer that would be great. Okay. Brilliant. How do you hire people? And one sentence is a tough one. The <laughs> biggest change I made to my business to effectively hire people is to um, work on the recruitment pipeline. So we now have full-time recruiters in our recruitment pipeline. So top of the funnel is like a hundred times bigger than it used to be. So we just have many, many more candidates to choose from. So that's the biggest thing you can do. Go wide. Amazing. Go wide. Right. What are your three indispensable tools for managing your business, Jungle Scout? Uh, we're partially a remote company. So all the remotes uh, are all the like the cloud-based stuff. Um, a, f- a lot of people probably say these, but uh, Zoom and Slack, very, very important. I'm on those things all day long. We started using a project management software lately called Airtable that I'm pretty happy okay. with. Um, okay. So we, it's a, a pretty cool, um, pretty robust management software. Interesting. I haven't heard of uh, Tim Law. Check it out. Yeah. Okay. What's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback. Mm. Um, in let's see, uh, October, 2015, Amazon, um, changed some of their rules about what it took to get reviews. And we actually had like kind of a platform built around the old terms of service, um, on Amazon. So that was like a, um, a, mis- uh, a hard hit at the time, but I learned a lot of good lessons about thinking about what we really want to invest in and grow with our business, um, uh, from that. Amazing. Okay. Um, what piece of advice would you give to e-tailers keen on getting into Amazon and smashing, you know, absolutely killing it in 2019 on Amazon? Um, you know, I think I got to go with the topic of most of our discussions today is that it's just um, be data-driven these decisions that you're making, be data-driven on um, the products that you're choosing, uh, go by the numbers and not your gut feelings. Fantastic. Okay. If you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building, you know, and growing a business, which would it be? One that I read this year that I like a lot is called Radical Candor. And um, it helped, you know, I used to be 
uh, always worried that I was going to be hurting my employees' feelings by being a little bit too kind of like harsh on them. And this really shifted my mindset to realizing that by using radical candor and giving this direct and very honest feedback, that you're actually helping them much more kind of like with their careers because you're telling them about all the things that they can do to be improving. So that was a good mind sh- mindset shift for me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Greg, you've been an absolute, you've been absolutely amazing, you know, on today's episode. Um, for people who want to follow, continue to follow you, what's the best way um, for them to, to follow you? Yeah, I definitely recommend checking out uh, the Jungle Scout blog where we publish a lot of really high quality content there very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I've been pretty active on there the past year or so. It's like G underscore Mercer or just search for Greg Mercer on Instagram so you can find me on there. And then of course, um, our uh, I'm also really proud of our YouTube channel. So you'll see me quite a bit on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for Jungle Scout. Um, same thing. We're producing, uh, we're releasing about two to three videos every week on there. And again, this is kind of high quality stuff. Um, very, uh, kind of like independently, uh, like data driven. We're doing a lot of our own research to come to these conclusions. So it's not just kind of the, the, the typical type stuff that you see, um, just kind of, uh, reverberated all around the internet. Amazing. I'm going to link to the Jungle Scouts blog, um, your IG and the YouTube artistry. Subscribe to your YouTube, you know, channel. Thank you so much, Freddie. Thank you for having me on. It's been fun. Cheers. Okay. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2X e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2X e-commerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.